Welcome to the Diamond Talk Podcast, Episode 6. My name is Marcus Ippolito. I'm the owner of In The Zone Baseball and Softball Academy, and I am joined by Coach Jeff Falzerano. He's the head varsity coach at Bernard's High School in Bernardsville, New Jersey, and Coach Taylor Barjaki. He's our general manager and assistant coach at the College of St. Elizabeth. Diamond Talk focuses on the world of baseball and softball, mainly as it relates to players from youth to college, their parents and supporters, as well as coaches at the various levels, local leagues, club, high school, and collegiate. So we've been in hiatus uh, during the lockdown and the quarantine, uh, really mainly because in the zone, the facility uh, that we're all involved in pivoted immediately to go to online training, which was quite an undertaking because when we decided to do it, we wanted to make sure that we did it right. And we did it with a high level of consistency, um, which is exactly what we did. And it became and uh, still is something that we commit a lot of time, energy, and resources to. But we felt like it was time to get back on Diamond Talk, get our podcast back up and running because there's some uh, recent announcements that are very relative to us being active again. So while we have been active virtually, it's time to think about physically being active. Um, But I can tell you that it's been incredibly rewarding the last two and a half months almost, and I'm so proud of our staff, especially Coach Taylor, who's uh, gone above and beyond for nearly three months now. Uh, He is essentially online almost every day with other coaches here or driving the online engagement, and uh, it's it's been awesome. But anyway, without further ado, let's talk a little bit about this upcoming episode and what's going to get covered. So uh, Coach Taylor and Coach Fowles uh, plan on covering a lot of territory today. Uh, We're going to start off talking a little bit about the recent announcement from our governor here in New Jersey, Governor Murphy, uh, regarding restarting youth sports practices on June 22nd, which is about three weeks from today uh, when we're posting this podcast live. Um, Talking a little bit about what a first practice should look like after the shutdown and quarantine. Um, we're going to speak about coaching creativity as it relates to a combination of workouts, drills to get players back up to speed. Uh, our take on the Max Scherzer tweet about the 2020 season. And our take on David Price donating $1,000 to all the Dodger minor leaguers. So uh, let's get right into it. All right. So we're getting into uh, we're getting into this episode of Diamond Talk here. And one of the things that, you know, especially for the state of New Jersey that just recently happened was that we got approved for teams, for youth baseball teams to start um, practices, practices on the 22nd of, of June. Now, what does this mean? This means what the number of kids is. I mean, as of right now, um, state of New Jersey is allowed gatherings of 25 people. Um up until that point, the number uh, that number could go up, you know, which would make going to games for these parents and players um, and families a lot easier. I mean, if you're going for 25 people, that's pretty much just the kids on the field, the umpires, um, you know, and to and one coach from each, you know, one coach from each team, really. Um, and and you're pushing it at that 25 it might be one or two people over. Uh, so that means very little to no spectators. And if there are spectators, you know, where are they? Are they in their cars in the parking lot? Are they sitting behind the center field wall? You know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of questions that this brings apart, brings out, but um, that's getting into more so games. Let's talk, let's keep our eyes on, um, on the practices. So the first date that we got, like I said, is June 22nd. 
Um, Coach, what do you, what did you make of the the release or the statement that the governor made um, about this date? Well, I think it's fantastic. Uh, you know, our, our sport isn't in close quarters. Our sport isn't in uh, isn't a contact sport, right? There's, I think they have it as a moderate contact aspect of it. I guess they would think about the umpire in relation to the catcher, the catcher in relation to a to a hitter and maybe plays at the bases and stuff like that. So I think it's great. I think we've been sitting around for a long time and, and been hoping and, and waiting for this. And the, and the best piece of this is that there's the hope is uh, even closer, right? It's narrowed the gap in that aspect. So it's rejuvenated some kids right now who've been sitting at home wondering when they're going to get on a field again and wondering how much their workouts are really worth it. Yeah. 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 It's, um, it, it, it raises a lot of red flags to a lot of people. I mean, there's still some people that aren't comfortable with it. Uh, it brings about, you know, a bunch of other questions like, are the kids um, going to be wearing, do they have to wear masks? Should the coaches be wearing masks? Um, you know, th this, and this, we're just talking about practice and, and it doesn't even spell, like I said, it doesn't even specify the number of people that um, are permitted to practice. It just says practices. Um, and how long is that going to go for? I mean, I, I personally, I didn't see, you know, when we're allowed to start games. I don't even know if it was mentioned. Uh, I don't believe it was just from everything that I've read and that I've seen. Um, so, I mean, yeah, that's great. We, we can start practicing. But again, you know, what are the guidelines around practicing in terms of what the state will allow in terms of number of kids? Are we only going to be able to do five kids at a time and two coaches? Are we only going to be able to do one kid, in, you know, or two kids and one coach? Um, you know. There's still a lot of questions that that brings up, albeit it's great news. And it is still three weeks away. So that could very easily change. I feel like, not to get political, I just feel like everything that the governor of New Jersey at least is saying is he's trying to cover himself by giving us enough time where he likes what the numbers are, um, but you know they could go in either direction for him. So he think I think that he needed to make this statement, albeit it's still very much open to change. I'm very hopeful. Um, I know that our, our owner, um, our owner, Marcus Cipollito has done a ton of research and he's done a ton of outreach to, to congressmen and just people in the governor's office. And I know he's spoken to a bunch of higher ups and they're, they're one, they're very complimentary of what we've done in our business um, in terms of the, the, what we're offering people and the information and how we're going about our day to day. Um, you know, but they also really aren't specifying anything in general. Now I know that local legislation outside of the governor, like the mayor's office and stuff like that, they are very much on board uh, with getting going. They want us to get going. You know, they, they want, they want to see kids on their fields and they want to see their businesses opening up. And that's great. Um, you know, I know Marcus's fight has been a lot, a lot about um, facilities, baseball and softball training facilities. And that goes for other facilities like gymnastics facilities. Um, but I'm kind of deviating here. So I want to kind of get back to it. So coach, I mean, you know, in my opinion, it's great news about the 22nd. Um, you know, I, I, for me, you know, I'm still a little skeptical. Uh, I'm trying not to get too excited about it, but I'm also, you know, I'm very excited about it. 
Um, just kind of give me some last thoughts about how you're feeling about that date, and we'll kind of take it from there. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess there's some, you know, uh, I guess we want to say controlled optimism. It, uh, it's a it's a great thing that there is that hope. I, I do realize that everything changes daily. I mean, I'm seeing it as an educator as well, right? Everything's changing daily. We went from virtual graduation thoughts to now possibly in G July having actual physical graduations of some sort with people in attendance, whether it's through cars or actual physical attendance, we still don't know how that's going to play out. So I do think that there is that element of hope um, that everybody needed, right? We've been sitting around for a long time and wondering about that. Um, yeah, I, I think, you know, skepticism, it, it's, it's safe to be skeptical in this, uh, but at least we have something we can start doing physically. Um, and, and I mentioned, you know, you and I had a talk on the side here, and I mentioned the idea that there's a there's a possibility of a last dance for our high school seniors. Uh, there's a thought going with that as well. So hope the hope is that we can start working towards something again uh, after it feels like we've been shut down. And at least from the high school level, we I feel like we've been shut down because um, mm -hmm. our our kids haven't been our kids have been focusing on their studies, and many of them have moved on to other sports already, thinking about what's going on in the fall. Mm -hmm. If that even happens, by the way, yeah, but they started I, I, started to move on. Yeah, yeah, uh, I know. At the college level, we are we are planning on having kids on campus for the fall. Um, the athletic department has reached out to all of the coaches. Um, this is for College Saint Elizabeth, at least. The uh, the athletic department has reached out mm -hmm. to all of us, saying that their full intentions are to have students on campus and fall sports uh, actually happening. So you know, again, this is a step in the right direction. However, I am still very skeptical. Um, you know, but that's just the current event in terms of the dates that we've gotten and the very little information that we've gotten in <laughs> as to what it all actually means. Because at the end of the day, like I said, in three weeks, when that 22nd date rolls around, governor could turn around and say, yeah, we're going to push it another two weeks. Just like he could potentially say, hey, you know what? You guys can go out tomorrow and start practicing. You know, I'm, I'm changing my mind or I'm changing the day. Um, you know, so we'll see. Um, so let's actually get into, um, coach you as a high school coach. Um, yep. let's say, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to give out that false hope of that last dance idea coming out. Um, but you know, if, uh, you know, you do work with us in the zone and, and, and you do coach alongside of us, you don't head coach any teams for us, but you do work alongside me and some of the other guys. Um, and you're a true asset to, you know, everything that we've done. What? If if you had the ability to coach a youth team going into the summer, a youth team now, right? we're going to talk to that audience here. Um, you know what? What is your? I know we spoke about it uh, in our in our live podcast that we did. What is your first practice looking like? As it with a youth team, not with your high school team, but right. with your youth team. Let's call right. it a twelve youth so, team. So so here's the thing. You know we're so reactive uh, in everything that we do educationally, athletically, politically, right? We're very reactive. And it's hard sometimes in this particular state to be proactive, mm -hmm. right? To think ahead, to think about and have those particular what's next thing. But in order to achieve anything athletically and to get better at anything athletically, you need to be proactive. Mm -hmm. You need to think that there is going to be a game, that there is going to be a day ahead. So, you know, I'm about routine. I think routine is huge in everything that you do. I think routine helps mindset. 
I think routine helps um, helps focus. I think routine is what gets you. So I would go back to my typical practice plans, right? We've, we're going to go through our dynamic stretch. We're going to go through yeah. our, our, our throwing program. We're going to elevate that throwing program into uh, maybe our, maybe our defensive stuff in some particular way. Uh, then we're going to eventually get to our hitting phase or, or however it might be. But I, I think it's about, I think what we have to recognize is that the body has to physically get ready and the physical prep calms the mind. Right. Right. We don't, we don't always think about that piece of it. So the better shape I'm in, mm -hmm. the easier it is for me to think through those stressful moments. And, and I always like my practices at any particular level to have kind of a high stress physical piece early on. Yeah. So that when you're actually doing the thinking piece, you're mm -hmm. fatigued. And when you think while you're fatigued, you're going to be better. You're going, you're going to be able to handle those stressful moments in a, uh, in a game. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's one of the things that all athletes kind of fall back on is they, they, if when they feel they're in those, in those moments, like you're saying of stress and uncertainty, they do fall back on their athletic abilities. You know, at the end of the day, some of the, some of these people are some of these players are the best athletes or they're are high caliber athletes, you know? So you know, they might not be super confident in their first two at bats, but they know their athletic ability. So they're still going to go up to the plate with the confidence. Right. Um, and a lot of, you know, it's very difficult to replicate that on your own um, where a lot of these kids have been. So, I mean, yeah, I, I like what you're saying because yeah, I totally agree. I mean, if I was, I, I don't know if, uh, if, if Maddie's told you this, um, your son, Matt, who's, who's sitting in with you. We have some, we have some questions for him next. Don't worry. Um, but you know, we've started to over the last two weeks implement our pre-practice stretching routine, our pre-practice throwing routine, uh, for outdoor when we're indoor, our pre-practice, like, stretching because it's a different set of stretches I have players do um, the dry drills that they're going to do. So we've started, or I personally at least have started to lay the groundwork. Now it's different for me because I am in front of the players virtually right now for you at the high school level. That's not the case. So let's talk about that really quick. So I, if I'm answering the question, my first thing I've already kind of started doing what I, what I would do, set the groundwork. Like you said, get back into your routine. Absolutely. We have to get the kids, we have to get the kids up to speed in terms of things that now granted a lot of them have played for me before. So they know a lot of the stretches. They've probably been doing them off to the side on their own, which is, which is huge, but there are some kids that are new or don't know, or just got lazy. You know, that, that happens. Um, so now let's talk about you as, as the high school coach, right? So let's say, right. So there was something that was – fill us in on the proposal about this last dance. Kind of let everybody know what it was or what it is. Yeah, I, I, one comment before that. Let's also yeah. recognize that sometimes kids don't understand the importance of that routine, that stretching piece. So right. they just don't do it. They don't think they need to do it. Yeah. Um, so, um, so this last dance was proposed, and we're still kind of working out some of the – I'm not involved in the proposal aspect or the details of it, but um, – I'm still working out the communication among my my team and and to see where we are and if we're interested. But essentially, the last dance is proposed something that most likely will not be sanctioned by the NJSIA or by our high schools. Will be sanctioned by the U Triple uh, organization, 
which means we will be insured by that. So essentially it would be a summer program, not a high school program, but the idea was to make it true to your high school program using your high school kids, primarily your seniors and then filtering it down to what your other varsity kids. And then uh, the, the proposal, the way they're looking at it is to find particular locations where they can hold uh, bracket play for like a 14 bracket play for seeding. So that means you're going to get three games in no matter. And then they would seed a 64 team kind of like a March Madness single elimination tournament. Right. Um, so it seems like at worst you'd play four games, which for our kids, four games, they never even imagined having those four games. Right. So exactly. it would be fantastic. And if you get more and if you, you, you start to, uh, you know, start to make a push or a run at it. Maybe there's some excitement there, right? And you see yourself in the Sweet 16 or, or whatever. And I, I'm not even worried about the size of the schools or anything like that. I'm sure there will be some families and some kids that will opt out for various reasons, whether it's because um, they don't feel safe within the circumstances, uh, whether it's because they're saving themselves to protect themselves for the college situation. Um, I don't, I mean, I don't know. I honestly don't know how the clubs and travel programs are going to handle it at this point. I think if that happens, some of them are going to have to say, you know, guys, I got, I got to let you play your high school game. Um, yeah. I, I mean, over the course of the middle of July or whatever it might be, it might, it's interesting. Yeah. I know. I mean, it, it is a tough call. I mean, just from my standpoint where I am managing uh, the high school players along with coach Peralta, um, you know, making sure that they are attending practices and in games, making sure he has a full roster. And I mean, we have four high school aged teams. Uh, so there's always enough kids to go to certain events that we're scheduled for, but, right. but there, you know, I, I, how am I supposed to tell a, a kid that's going into his senior year? No, you can't participate in this because now right. he's going to feel like he's letting down his upperclassmen his seniors. Right. So how do you do that? You can't like, yeah, I'd have to say, absolutely. Go play your tournament. You know, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll reschedule events. We'll try to figure something out. We'll pull some younger players, some freshmen up for it. Cause you know, but I, I get it. Like I get it. It's, it's, it's a tough call. Um, I love okay. the idea of this. It's it, it to me it it truly is just a way to kind of pay homage to all the work that these kids have put in, especially the seniors. Um, now, from a prep the, aspect, though, it it makes it interesting from a prep aspect, right? Yeah. Because now, because now, if if early, let you know, we're heading into June here, we're thinking about mid July for this, so kids yeah. have six weeks to prep. Let's okay. say roughly six weeks to prep if in fact they're going to be involved. And if they're not working with a club program, they got to figure out a way to get to prep. Those seniors that aren't playing college ball aren't going to be in a club program. So they really no. need to figure out ways to prep. So that's a huge piece. And I don't know how we're going to be sanctioned as far as the practice piece is concerned, getting them ready. So my prescription is going to be, I'm, you know, I'm going to put out my videos again mm -hmm. of, what we, of what we would do for our T drills, for our, infield drills for our outfield drills etc i'm right. going to recommend that our pitchers if they have no one to throw to they're throwing to a net and they're chasing that ball i want them to throw and run after it so they get the cardio piece that plays into uh creating distance in a game yep. and certainly and certainly as a coach when we look at this we're gonna, we're going to be probably limiting kids pretty significantly yeah. to pitch counts early on in a tournament like this 
to see where they're at. You know, yeah. I, I don't think there's any kid who's sitting at home throwing 60 pitches right now, let alone 85, 100, like, yeah. especially, yeah. especially a senior who's like, who thought his career was over. Yes. So, you know, over the course of six weeks, they got to work a slow build, right? And I have to prescribe for them. If they want to do this, I have to prescribe for them exactly what their routine should be if it's not with me, yeah. but very similar yeah. to what it would be with me. I love it. I love that trait. I love the chase drill. I do that in our preseason. Like after our kid throws in a scrimmage, he might throw 40 pitches in a scrimmage or something like that, or you know, 60 pitches in the scrimmage. I then have him throw another 20 in the chase where he throws maybe from a shorter distance. Right. Uh, and and maybe 75%, but he runs after the ball so that he works his cardio a little bit yeah. to work on pushing him for the next time out. So I love that drill. I just think it's a fantastic drill for just improving. Uh, you know, they, they may throw at a target, so they work on their me mechanics and accuracy, yeah. but it's really yeah. also about the cardio piece. Yeah, that's the, that's the bigger picture with that because you've already thrown your bullpen, so it's kind of exactly. just – Yeah, no, I, I agree, and that's a great idea. Like I've never even thought – I've never even like thought to do something like like that that's just a cool idea so any of you coaches that are out there listening any parents that are out there listening where we're trying to get our kids up to speed uh physically maybe not mechanically um or stuff wise maybe maybe your son has been throwing bullpens and they've been working with a virtual coach this whole time and working on their pitches and their movements and all that but he's sitting on the couch for you know the other five days out of the week so you know there's there is that part of it um so I, I really do. I, I love that drill. I think it's a great idea. And I think it's a great, um, I, I just think it's a great mindset to have too, because it's just, it's training you without, without really having to, you know, taking your mind off of it, right? Like you're not out there. I mean, I know I've run poles before and running you know, 10 poles. It feels like it takes forever, but you know, yeah. if you're throwing your pitch, you're focused on your mechanics, you're throwing your pitch, whatever, and you're going just hustling after the ball and jogging back definitely is beneficial. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Deep breath after, right? You get back, you take a deep breath, you, yep. of, you flush that out, and you throw another yep. one. Yeah. Cool. Uh, I, I love yeah. it. I love it. I mean, you know, for me at least, if I'm coaching my little guys, um, you know, I'm coaching a 14, uh, a four, so kids who are just finishing eighth grade and kids who are just finishing seventh grade, um, you know, and they're giving me, you know, let's say you know, I start practice on the 22nd and I have two weeks to get um, to get them ready for their first game. Uh, I mean, I got to be honest. I mean, I, I, again, get my given my teams and knowing what I've been doing with them uh, and knowing the attendance that I'm getting, like I know I'm in a good spot mechanically. I think I'm in a good spot physically for the most part um, where I'm not going to spend a lot of time fine tuning swings or, you know, doing this. I'm getting right to situational based stuff. I'm trying to get kids my goal is to get kids caught up to the speed of the game again because they've been sitting down going zero miles an hour for however long. And now they're getting yeah. thrown into it because you know, that, that, that to me is the first thing I want to work on. So I want to throw in baseball IQ, uh, get situations going and just get kids feeling the pressure of a runner uh, of another pitcher throwing live at them like right away. Um, you know, it might be that I have to cycle out a pitcher, you know, every, if they're only throwing, if they haven't been throwing bullpens, yeah, guy only gets 30 pitches and I got to, I got to cycle through nine pitchers in order to get through a practice. It is what it is at that point. Right. Yeah. I mean, we got to, got to do what we can. Um, you, you got to believe, like, I, I love that thought that you're talking about situations too, because you got to believe that it, 
games are going to be tight and you know one or two runs could could make a huge difference so if you're yeah. not handling a bunt or a bunt defense yeah. right or a first third situation it could be it could dictate a oh, game yeah. absolutely you know? absolutely and, 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 and in this case with a kid who hasn't thrown that much it puts a little more pressure on that pitcher getting a guy over putting him in a scoring position having him deal with guys on bases it's very different than throwing into your net or your father's glove at home yeah, yeah. But you know what? Then it brings me back to the point I made on Tuesday night at, during the live session was, you know, almost everybody's going to be in the same boat. Like, mm -hmm. you got to think that, like, yeah, there's going to be the there's going to be some kids, you know, on every team you face that are going to be ready to go. Like, you know, they've yeah. they got the dad who's who's super into it and who, who builds a batting cage in their garage and transforms their house into a giant baseball facility, right? Like you're going to have those kids. But the yeah, majority I mean, of your kid is not that. You know, agreed. you'll have you'll have like agreed. one or two kids that are that and then you'll have like three kids that are kind of couch potatoes and then you got guys that are just kind of in the middle. Right? Yeah, I mean, the whole hope is that real that really motivated kid with the dad that's that over the top that that kid is really motivated on his own that he's not that way because of the dad right Absolutely. i mean that's a, that's a huge piece because if the dad is is all over him and pushing him to do that he's going to come back he's not going to be mentally ready no he might be no, physically no. ready but he's not going to be mentally ready. That's, he's going to be, be that's something, pressure. yeah <laughs> and listen i mean i i just i kind of touched on the baseball iq part of it but i didn't even think of that like how are these kids <laughs> going to start dealing with failure Right. Oh. Like these kids have been, I mean, in my opinion, right. I mean, listen, we talked about it on Tuesday. It's not easy in this situation. And I'm sure and this is where I'm going to let Maddie kind of get involved here a little bit um, because, you know, I want to know a kid's perspective. I want to know what the players are thinking, right? Like what's going to happen after you've been, after you've been kind of, you know, if you're a middle of the road guy who's kind of been attending practices, but not really, or you've attended a couple more than you haven't, right? And you strike out, you go 0 for 4 with three strikeouts. What is it going to be like in the car after that game? Is that kid even going to come back to the next game? I don't know. I don't know. It's such a scary feeling right now because there's so yeah. many unknowns that go into this and not even from a physical standpoint. It's also from the mental part of it, leaving out the, is this kid going to know what to do if the ball's hit to him? How is this kid going to handle striking out and then having to go, go pitch the next inning or play third base, you know, yep. or catch like, yeah. so Anything. Maddie, I'm going to ask you this question, man. And I, I want you to give me your most, your most mm -hmm. honest answer that you can, you can give me, right? What have you been doing to prepare you to screw up? <laughs> what have you that's the best way I can put it what what have you done right you're a catcher what have you done to mentally and physically prepare yourself for that first pass ball with a run run third that leads to a run or that first time you strike out with the bases loaded and less than two outs right what is going to happen what have you done and how are you going to be and I want you to be honest man you got to be honest with this stuff well any of that's going to be really frustrating, like always. But what I've been doing would, was just a lot of hitting has gotten me seeing, like, how I'm doing. And more of the failure in hitting has gotten me used to that. And if and then making me improve so I'm not having that in games. Right. Okay. So you're, you're, you're saying the drill work that we're doing with the hitting piece. And because that's where your failure is most of the time, right? Right. You feel like, right? So he feels that. Dealing with that just off the tee 
and even in our live stuff that I've done with you is helping that. I didn't ever even thought of that like that. So that. Yeah, no, listen, that's, that's a great aspect. And now I'm going to ask you another question. What's going to happen when there's 24 other kids around you? Half are, half are cheering against you and the other half are trying to pick you up or maybe like only two or three of them are trying to pick you up. Right. So now let's, now it's not just you and your dad in the driveway hitting off the tee. And he's telling you that you that you did this wrong right now. It's, you know, the third baseman yelling, yeah, nice job that, you know, whatever he's yelling or, you know, or the or the pitcher is like staring you down, like trying to intimidate, like, you know, there's so many other intangibles. Right. So, again, I don't I don't want you to answer this right away. I want you to think about it a little bit. But I think all of all of our kids out there need to start to think about that. Anybody that listens to this, coaches included, we have to figure out a way to have our kids deal with failure, like in a different way that we've we've ever done before. So, I mean, Fauzi, when you're ready, you can you can answer the question. But I mean, what do you? And listen, I know I know you're gonna give me the good answer because you're that kind of kid and you're that kind of <laughs> minded kid, and I love that about you. But not everybody is like you. Right. There are some players that can't handle failure. So now let's take, you know, a month and two months. We're almost in three months of this. Let's yeah. take let's take almost three months of just nobody ever telling you you're doing the wrong thing. And everybody's just trying to like, it's OK. We're going to get through this. We're going to figure it out. Blah blah blah. Right. Mm -hmm. What's going to happen then to those players? Mm -hmm. And again, take your time because we can always edit the edit the dead time out. <laughs> By the way, we compete here. We compete when we play cards. We compete Good. in football. Good. So we, we do kind of challenge and get on each other. Good. So. Listen, you're gonna be so listen, you're gonna be one of those guys that is probably not gonna have as hard of a time that another player will, right? Because everybody's circumstances are different. So we have to take that into account as coaches now. Well, here's something for him to think about because typically his position and, and and watching him as a dad, right? Or watching him as a coach, his position is typically not, uh, he doesn't beat himself up so much, but he gets upset when his teammates beat themselves up so much, right? And he tries to, he tries to talk. I mean, he's always been a kid who's tried to talk to them and say, it's all right, yeah. you know? Yeah. You, you hit that ball on the screws, you hit it right to the shortstop, but that happens. You can't slam your bat. You can't throw your helmet. Mm -hmm. He's always been that kind of kid, fortunately. Yeah, uh, I, that's one of the things I can say about you. And that's why I kind of want to ask you this question, because, you know, unfortunately, you're going to be the minority in this situation. Uh, I've coached you for almost three years now, and I've never seen you have one of those moments. You're always the guy that kids go to or you're always the first guy to go get somebody. And that's great. Um that's a great you're, that's a great teammate to have. And there's, you know, again, kids, everybody's in different circumstances. There's not going to be – there might not be, you know, another Falzi on another team. You know, these other teams that these kids play on, you might have kids making fun of their own teammates. You know, mm -hmm. so it, there's a there's – a, and I don't even want you to answer the question right now because I feel like there's so much – so many thoughts going through your head. Um but it's just really something for us as coaches to kind of think about and start to and start to play into now because there's there's an intangible that you've never as a coach probably been faced with. So 
you know, it's, it's humbling to think about. Um, but now we got to really, we as coaches really got to get to work on that. Um, I don't have an answer for you guys. I'm now I, it, it's kind of hitting me a little bit in the realization, yeah. but um, let's, let's kind of, let's kind of soften has, it up. A little bit. Yeah. He has one. He does have something to say though. Yeah, go ahead. Looking into, looking to know that you, it's not like this is the last thing you're going to have. Maddie, hold on. You got to move closer to the, um, you got to move closer to the microphone. All right. So a lot of it, like even though it's failing, you're coming right back to it. You know, there's going to be more times when you're back into it, and you have to like look into it more of like as a positive that you're getting back out there to get back into it. So in the future, it's not going to be. It's going to be better for you. You're more prepared. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like the idea that you have another shot, right? You have another chance. There's going to be another bat. There's going to be another play. Yeah, I mean not, the biggest like our seat, right? Our seniors might not have that. Right. right? That's a that's right. a very the, different thing. The biggest takeaway that I can I can kind of just give you players that are listening to this is I say it to my guys a lot, especially at the at the college level. Um, you know, one day somebody's gonna tell you that you can't do this anymore, right? You can't go out there and take batting practice, you can't go out there and you can't take ground balls anymore. And all of you 10, 11, 12, 13 year olds, you just you just got a taste of what that's gonna be like. So it's not very it's not very nice. It's not it's not a good feeling. It's not the it's not something you want to hear. So now you guys now you guys as players have this this new beginning, right? You have this new fresh start that you can now take when you get on the field for the first time. And you know, honestly, what you did, you know. In the fall, before the spring season got canceled, it really doesn't matter. It, it you know, that, the the way I can really kind of spin this from a motivational and 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 uh, a mental piece is more so players. Like you know what it's going to be like when you can't do this anymore, so don't take it for granted anymore. Because like you saw, things can get shut down in a heartbeat. Like this all happened so fast. And nobody ever thought that something like this would happen. And it just goes to show you that literally anything in this world is possible. Anything. All right, coach, let's segue out of let's segue out of this. I just that just got really heavy for a second. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> is it gonna get heavy? Gonna get heavy with this next thing, maybe too, though. I don't know. <laughs> so I want to read a tweet. Okay. I'm not a big Twitter guy. I don't really believe in Twitter. Um, once the president started using Twitter as a platform to release, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> statements and it became okay for Twitter to be breaking news for everything. Like I was like, all right, I'm done with this. Um, so uh, Max Scherzer of the Washington Nationals, who gets paid, who gets paid a lot of money to be a really good pitcher, uh, said this uh, two a couple days ago, three days ago, on the 27th. At 11:09 p.m., so late night for for Mr. Mr. Scherzer. Um, <laughs> after after discussing the latest developments with the rest of the players, there's no reason to engage with MLB in any further compensation reductions. We have previously negotiated a pay cut in the version of prorated salaries, and there's no justification to accept a second pay cut based upon the current information the union has received. I'm glad to hear the other players voicing the same viewpoint. Believe MLB's economic strategy would be complete would completely change if all documentation were to become public information. Um, 
So lots of, that's a lot of information right there. Um, and just after reading it a couple of times, it kind of sounds like, I mean, obviously he's saying he doesn't want to take another pay cut. Meanwhile, this guy makes a, a more money in one season than I'll ever, ever make in my lifetime. Um, you know, that's beside the point. Let's not even go there. But it, it really sounds like he's taking jabs at Major League Baseball for, I don't want to say hiding information, just not disclosing all of the information or not right. saying it in the right way. Um, I mean, Coach, what do you what do you make of this of this statement? I don't know what the last part of that statement means. The the if everything were out there, it's, it says, I, "Yeah, um, I'm glad to hear players voicing their opinion, same viewpoint, and believe the MLB's economic strategy would completely change if all documentation were to become yeah. public information." Whatever that documentation might be, I don't know what that is, but I do know. Um, so I, I I did read a tweet. And I think it was a tweet by by Chipper Jones. And I do follow Twitter a little bit. I use it a little bit for our program. Um, and Chipper Jones was like, you know, there are a lot of people in this world right now not working, not getting a paycheck, that Major League Baseball players should shut their mouths, take whatever they can get, and get out there and play and, and get the season going. But I also think recently Chipper's like he's he recognizes that it's becoming more and more difficult because of the – interactions between the players union and the coaches or the uh, the pro the teams right uh that that um it may not happen i mean he's talking about the fact that it's growing less likely that we're even going to see any baseball this year because of all this um listen i if you're a competitor Right. I mean, there's many times where these guys never even mention the money fact, right? Right. They never even talk about the money factor. They just talk about how much they want to compete and going out there day to day yeah. and compete. And listen, you're playing a game as a job and a game you love and you love to compete. Get out there. If you're worried about your health, different story. Mm -hmm. Step away. Take the year off, whatever it takes. But if don't make it about money. Yeah, don't make it about money. Make it about your health. Make it about your, you know, anything. And and by the way, I've seen plenty of videos of some of these major league guys like really getting themselves ready. I've uh, seen Strowman throwing off a mound, a portable mound on a on a uh, like a pier somewhere. Yeah. I don't even know where he lives, right? But he's got a he's got a pier, and there's a boat docked there, and he's got got a guy catching at the end of the pier, and he's throwing off a mound. So he's getting himself ready. He's well, a, you I saw mean, the one. Did you see the one – I forget who it was. I want to say it was somebody from the Braves taking swings off the tee in his apartment in like his like and – the, and the view is ridiculous. <laughs> like, yeah. It's such a cool video, and this guy must make a lot of money. But he's hitting into it. He's hitting into a net off of a tee in his living room essentially trying to get ready. Yeah, um, and by the way, there's a number of minor league guys – that I was jumping Max Scherzer's position in a second. Listen, right? and play and yeah. play twenty major league games. They don't care. I mean, how many guys just lost their job yesterday? It's all over. Like it's all over social media. How many of these minor leaguers just got released because yep. because the teams, the big league, the teams can't make any money right now. Right. You know, I guarantee you, every single one of those guys that just got cut will go play major league games right now. I, I don't know. Was this, was there something like this in 
oh god, in the NFL a couple of years ago where there was oh, a we, we talking about the the uh, the what did they call them? The, the there was a strike season, right? And they had the replacements or something like that. Remember, there was a movie. They replaced. There was a movie. Right? The replacements. There was a football yeah. movie. With right. the I, I but that was connected to yeah, because they had because because a lot of ma NFL teams had tryouts for guys, right? So they could run up, run a run games. Now, yeah. you know, let let's take, you know, I don't want to completely side with the major with uh the major league owners either because, you know, they TV rights once this happens, that fifty percent if not more of their income is from TV right. rights. Right. So what they get from, uh ticket sales and concession stands and stuff makes the other 50 or less. So yeah, they're probably going to lose out. I get that. Um, uh, and I understand the money piece of this, but uh, I don't know, man. I, but mean, I, mean, we like, need, listen, I mean, think we about their own. We need another woman's league, another league of their own, maybe to get this thing going. Or <laughs> I mean, uh, honestly, I mean, I think it's time. If that's really happening, right? Why? Why are you cutting players? Why aren't you just burning through your depth chart and saying, "Who wants to play? Who wants to play?" Go, go through your, you know, you just you essentially you just go down the depth charts. You list out all of your players. You rate them. However, you already have it. It's already done. All the work's already done. And you start making phone calls. Hey, you want to play? We're gonna call you up to the bigs. Hey, you want to call? You want to play? We're gonna we're gonna call you up to the big. Right? Like. There is so much hope that professional sports gives a nation, right? I, I always go back. I mean, listen, I was only 11 years old when 9-11 happened. But, I mean, come on. You remember when George Bush took the mound to throw oh, out the absolutely. first pitch at Yankee yeah. Stadium. Like, yeah. remember what that felt like, right? And that was only yeah. after, you know, I mean, that was after a couple of weeks of no baseball and or a couple of days of no baseball and, and something that just completely – shook the country to its knees but isn't that what just happened this country yeah. was just completely buckled and if baseball can come back and be that force that's going to say we're going to take over and we're going to bring hope back to the country like come, don't you want to be part of that if you don't i will listen max i'll take your money and i'll i'll take your <laughs> and grand a game and go play for you don't worry about it. i'll get shelled for a couple of I weeks, would, I don't care. I would think. I would think even if they worked out exhibition games, if it didn't work out, guys who actually wanted to play and ran some exhibition games, like there, there's got to be some. You mean to tell me you can't people. field a team? At the end of the day, it's getting nine or ten guys on the field to play the game, right? I think they you can. tell me yeah. of the hundreds of guys you have in your organization, you can't get nine guys to go out and play a game in front of nobody or limited people. I mean, come on. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I I guess there's the safety piece too, right? That we think about maybe the pitchers and the pitchers' arms and having enough guys, but I think they could find enough pitchers to get that Absolutely. done. Change um, the rules a and, little bit for the season in terms of, you know, and like I said, meetings yeah. and all that. And like I said before, many of these guys are working out. Yeah, they know they know where you know they know uh, they know where their money comes from. They know how their their bread is. Yeah, I mean, think about, think about it, right? You're you're a high school baseball coach and you're a teacher, right? If your livelihood was based upon you being good at a sport, what's the first thing you're putting in your mansion? Yeah, a, a gym. A gym? <laughs> a batting cage? Yeah. People are putting them in their backyards like it's nothing. Like you mean yeah. to tell me you can't invest your, your money into your oh. what makes your livelihood? 
especially if I made a mil plus the year before, right? I mean, that doesn't—that's pennies to put that in in accordance to that amount of money. Uh, and in terms know. of endorsements, like you don't think these guys are still getting money coming in? Come on, I mean, come on. Many of them are. Many of them are. Yeah. Um, so on the other end of that, David Price, who has never played a single game in a Dodgers uniform. This month, or the month of June, I forget the month that he's doing it, uh, is donating $1,000 to every player on in the Dodgers organization in in AAA, AA, single A, low A, high A, whatever. Everybody in the system, aside from the big league guys, he's donating $1,000. Again, this guy has never played a game in a Dodgers uniform, and he's coming out of pocket to pay these players. I mean, Max – Let's go. If you're listening, yeah. Max, if you're listening, man, what are you doing about it? Yeah. Andy you're up. giving us a hard time about going out there and playing. I get it. Your safety, you're not cool with it. Fine. Make it about your safety. Say something else. Don't make it about money. Don't make it about money. Because like Coach said and like Chipper Jones said, there's plenty of people, ourselves included, Coach, we're not yeah. out there working every day like we used to. Hey, so that's going to wrap for this week's episode of Diamond Talk. Thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, if you have any questions or comments on some of the things that we covered today, uh, or if you have any questions or something you'd like uh, talked about in one of our upcoming episodes, please email us at diamondtalkshow at gmail.com. That's diamondtalkshow at gmail.com. And uh, make sure you follow us on all the social media channels. We're at Diamond Talk Show. We are really thankful that you joined us today. We hope that wherever you are, you're safe and well and can be getting out on the field responsibly soon and uh, we will see you on the diamond.